Welcome to the I-95 Sports Podcast alongside Lewis Schaefer. I am Tim Hoffmeister. Um, usually we got the same podcast coming on. You just heard Brocky, you know, we're just hanging out, same intro. But this time we got a poster boy. Lewis, you want to talk about the poster boy? Yes, it is. After a vote from our Twitter followers, uh, current Port St. Lucie Mets right fielder and former Eagles quarterback, Timothy Tebow. I'm not happy about it. You, you, I can tell you're not happy about it. I was trying to get a campaign to not vote for Tebow. And I knew it was going to happen. I said it on the previous podcast that it might just end. Um, <laughs> but now that I didn't get my boy Matumbo out there, um, I think we might as well use Tim Tebow to set goals for our podcast. Um, yes. I know Twitter, Lewis, you killed it on Twitter. We were able to get a lot more followers. Um, put that on a resume at this point. Um, that, any little bit helps. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is not my strong suit Twitter, but we were, we're up over a thousand now, if I'm right. Yes, we're up over a thousand. Hell yeah! So hopefully, all those people are listening to this podcast because I would love to get uh, more views than Tim Tebow has in batting average, which shouldn't be very hard. Yeah, it shouldn't be very hard. It's only two twenty six. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's probably falling. So uh, yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> I mean, there's probably he has he's batting about like. 200 and wiffle ball with the game day guys. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but their season's over, so we actually have a solid number, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, and then in the future, we can look at beating his total passing yards in the NFL. And, you know, that shouldn't be too hard either. But no, That shouldn't be too hard. It's only like, what, like 2,000-something? Uh, let me look it up real quick. We got 2,422. That's not too bad. That's I'm, not too bad. And then there's another, like, 450 if you count playoffs, but it's, it's fine. We don't really know. We'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to cross it. Cross that bridge when we get to it. <laughs> um, rushing yards, he had 989. Um, let's, see, let's see if I can check his college stats. In college, he threw for 9,285 yards, and he ran for 2,947. So... So, we have benchmarks. Yeah, I mean, we, we will continue to use Tebow's subpar goals as goals yes. for us. For subscribers, for viewers. Reviews, so. anything. <laughs> Reviews, yeah. Let's see. What was his his Heisman year? Was what, his sophomore year? Yeah, sophomore year. 23 rushing touchdowns, 32 passing touchdowns. Yeah, I could beat Tebow's Heisman year. Yeah, in we like, could probably beat it. If if we just compared it to podcasting, I think I think we could be we could be Tebow's Heisman year. We're not going to be like the page or the was it the Jets or the Patriots that tried to put him at the punt protector? Uh, the Jets tried using him as punt protector. Yeah, so there's two ends of the spectrum we could be on. Um, I think right now we're in the middle because it's just we're kind of just getting our foot in the door of the podcast world. But we could either be. 2007 Heisman Tebow, or we could be like whatever year the, it was for the Jets, punt protector. <laughs> punt protector. <laughs> so we really, it's a it's a very wide scale, and um, we could could really go either end. And right now, it's almost I feel I feel comfortable in the middle, but obviously I want to get to Heisman. Yes, but yes. Heisman level is what we should shoot for. But looking behind us and seeing the punt block, punt protector, that's uh. It is, it is pretty daunting. Yes, but at least we're a couple evolutions of Tebow away from couldn't beat out Sanchez for a backup job. Yeah, that would so, uh, 
There's, there's a lot of a lot more downs and ups for Tebow, yes. and hopefully that doesn't go towards the podcast as well. But you know what? As long as we have fans like Tebow did, if the downs are there, it is what it is. Yes. So, but um, yeah, we'll 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 continue using Tebow references and talking about Tebow and comparing him to the podcast and whatnot because he is the poster boy. So most likely we'll try and. I don't know what we're going to do. Is he going to be on the logo now, or is he just going to be an alternate logo? Is he going to be like a Color Rush uniform? Uh, I think we're going to have to figure out a way to incorporate him now. But, uh, <laughs> right, we'll, have to, we'll have to figure it out. I mean, there's so many better options, though. Like, Yager was there. Abra- like, granted, Bobby Abreu, like, it was a one bad year as a Met, but, like, he was there. Like, I mean, it wasn't It wasn't a bad, it was It was a bad year when you look at it, but relatively, he was still, like, 42, so it was yeah, impressive. Yeah, he was, like, 42, 43, like, you couldn't expect much. Yeah, out of baseball for, like, four years, so. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I wish, like, I mean, there's, you can't really fault anyone for this, but it would be sweet if the I and I-95, like, if it was, like, actually a lowercase instead of a uppercase, because then his face could just be the dot of the I. We could arrange that. Well, I mean, it, then, then we're not following the the thing. I-95, it's a capital I, so. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah, maybe he'll be the O. Maybe we'll make him the O in sports. Yeah, yeah. We could do that. We'll, fi- we'll figure it out. We'll because figure that's, it out. Because the zero represents, well, it's not a zero, but it's an O, but an O looks like a zero, and zero the, represents the, how the much. The O could represent his chances of making the Mets. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say making <laughs> making it back to the NFL, but that too. <laughs> but might be a better chance for the Mets. <laughs> yeah, actually, because the Mets just gotta fill seats. Yeah. In Port St. Lucie, is that where it's at? Yeah. Okay. Actually, cool. I actually saw a thing while we're on Tebow. I think uh, Ravel tweeted it out. Like he made like 1.6 million dollars for the Mets organization this year, and they paid him like. Three hundred thousand. Oh yeah, I think someone. Yeah, I saw that tweet. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty funny. I mean, yeah. I guess he's like, oh, I like playing baseball, but like, I liked playing baseball too, and I, I mean, I I can't play still, but the fact that like I think I just get tired of it at this point. Like, yeah. Busting all the time, so. All right, so here's a question. I didn't plan on talking about this, but Tebow had some pretty good years, and he had a 17 to 9 ratio. Let's see, 17 to 9 ratio, and basically two years as a quarterback. If you take Colin Kaepernick's last year, it's 16 and 4. And I like that that people want Tebow to be a quarterback, but think (laughs) Kaepernick doesn't get a job because he sucks. Because he's Tebow. Yeah, because he's Tebow. Is he is he the black Tebow? Is that what we're going with? Um, <laughs> he's the polar yeah, sure, opposite. Like like Colin Kaepernick was representing like actual issues about African Americans speaking out yeah. on that, and he's getting yeah. blackballed. But everyone everyone's like, oh, he should get blackballed, or he should like he's not that great. But when Tebow, yeah, not like, oh, he's not good enough to be worth yeah. trouble or whatever. Yeah, but then you got Tebow, the classic white guy who just loves God more than anything. <laughs> And he sucks, but people think he should be in the league. It's weird. It's like when you try and actually fix a social issue and you're good, everyone thinks you suck. 
But when you actually suck and you're like, I love God, everyone's like, all right, he's pretty good. All right, I like this guy. <laughs> I'm not saying that loving God is wrong. but No, no, but it's you're just, onto something there. Yeah, I think so. I think so. If Kaepernick just comes out tomorrow and he's like, you know, God, God's the best. Guys, I'm sorry for kneeling. I was actually just praying before games instead of after them. Actually, that would... get signed within hours. <laughs> Colin Kaepernick, the new highest paid quarterback in the league. <laughs> he beats out Stafford. <laughs> Jake Cutler can retire now, go smoke his cigarettes somewhere else. He can be for the Dolphins, you know. Actually, that, you should just go with that. At this point, you know. Ka- Kaepernick says that he was just praying, and all of a sudden Tom Brady tears his ACL in practice, and he's a Patriot. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, man. But that's funny. If you look at the kneeling before the National Anthem and the Tebow, it's actually the same position. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, the, it's literally like the helmet under the hand. Like, they... I yeah. guess there's only, like, a... There's not really any other ways to kneel in football. There's kind of just your baseline way. Yeah. So, yeah. but... Let's start. Let's start Kaepernicking. <laughs> I heard you say he was Tebowing. Kaepernick. I think we might be able to start another campaign to get Kaepernick signed, and just he was just Tebowing. I think we could get him back in the NFL. We could. We could. I mean, that would be a great way to jumpstart the podcast. Yes. So I beat Tebow's records, even though Colin Kaepernick has no relation to I ninety five and what the point of the podcast is. Who cares? Let's do it. Who cares? <laughs> Tebow's the poster boy. We can do it. Yeah. It <laughs> we all, have rights to all things Tebow now. Yeah, so. it, it, it all ties in. It all ties in. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we'll work on that. We'll get we'll get Kaepernick back in the NFL. Um, I'm certain of it. Yes. And Tebow will probably be out of baseball soon. Yes. He might try hockey next for all we know. Yeah, that's true. But uh, one guy who won't be out of baseball like Tebow, uh, Reese Hoskins, who's been on a tear of late. Not even a tear. It's not even fair to even use that word because it's much more than that. It's freaking insane. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've I just got done an internship with the Iron Pigs. I had a chance to talk with, like, meet him. I had a chance to watch it very closely. I actually had a chance to talk to Dusty Wathen about him. Um, the dude is insane. But you, even watching him in the minors, like, I, I'm, I'm very, I don't want to say cocky or arrogant because that makes me sound bad. I'm very full of myself. <laughs> and like usually I'd if like I'd like I'll I'll talk about players and I'll look at a player and I think I like I'd be able to be like that guy's gonna be awesome, that guy's gonna be good. And I thought Hoskins was gonna be good, but I had no idea he was gonna do anywhere near of this. Yeah, I, I was thinking that when, when he first came up and, and got on the chair that he did. I remember you like yeah, one of the first couple games you worked, you came up and were like, Yeah, it almost went to extra innings, but this Reese Hoskins guy hit a home run. And I was like, is he like, is he any like big time prospect? He's like, yeah, he might like, maybe he'll be like a Darren Ruff, you know. He'll uh, be all right. Don't make me look that bad. I knew Hoskins was good, um, but I didn't. I mean, yeah, I thought he could have been like a Darren Ruff, and hopefully he wasn't blocked. But Darren, I always thought Darren Ruff was going to be a good player. Yeah. Um, I knew he had power. I didn't know if it was going to translate. I didn't realize his approach at the plate, which. After I realized his approach, I mean, he was he's head and shoulders above any Phillies first baseman to ever come through the system, I think, based on his approach. I mean, he's got like a Pete Rose approach with a with Ryan Howard power. Okay. And they're probably the two 
Other, I mean, Jim Tomey, but he wasn't here that long. You have Howard and Rose are probably the best-known first basemans in Philadelphia Phillies history, probably because just of the championships. Um, but I would say if you look at both generations, if you go back to our parents' generation, say, name a Phillies first baseman, probably going to say Pete Rose, even though he wasn't here that long. And if you go to our generation, say, name a Phillies first baseman, it's going to be Ryan Howard. Yeah. And yeah. it's crazy how Hoskins has both of these um, tools together. But another thing that I was talking with one of the guys, a couple of people at the Iron Pigs, um, there's a lot of things that happen when a guy is more effective in the majors than he is in the minors. But when Hoskins is hitting 290 with 29 bombs with Lehigh Valley, you're thinking, oh, well, if he just contains that or if he can, like, like if he just comes somewhere close to that in the majors, like, that's a really good first baseman. Yeah. I had no idea he was going to get better based off of major league pitching because, I mean, they say that more pitches are in the strike zone because they're better pitchers. Um, that's one of the reasons they say that you can be better in the majors than you are ever in the minors. But, I mean, it's insane. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely, and I mean, I just like I, you know, I I go to games over the summer, just you know, when they'd be playing Scranton or whatever, um, you know, and, and like you said, I knew he would would, would be good. You could never see him being this good right off the bat. And, oh no, not at all. You know, like you said, the thing is, you know, pitchers are better. Pitchers are closer to the strike zone. Um, and I think the other thing is, and I mean, very similar to the way, you know, Sanchez kind of came on last year with the Yankees. There's almost that element of, you know, we have all this video and all this scouting reports on, on how to pitch to this guy and how the minor league guys, but, you know, how minor league guys have approached him, I should say. Um, but it almost becomes kind of, you know, an ego thing, I would think. You know, Max Scherzer knows he can get out of a rookie. You know, it shouldn't be a problem. So he throws him a couple more hittable pitches and, you know, maybe, you know, get a mistake and Hoskins has proved so far, he's going to punish it and it's going to go a long way. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's insane. Um, actually, um, I got a chance to, to Dusty Wath and he was, he's pretty close to one of the guys that I worked with in the operations office. He said, he, the night of Hoskins getting called up, I had a chance to talk to him, and he said that Hoskins is everything you want in a ball player and a person, and that made me feel good, and now that he's having all this success, it's it's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone could have ever figured out that he would do any of this. I mean, crazy power, but the fact that, I mean, I'm trying to think what game it was. Oh, I don't even remember. It was a couple weeks ago, but the fact that he took a count 3-2, and then it was a like a fastball outside right on the edge of the plate. I mean, it was, it was like, waist high, but it was on, like, the outside corner. Mm-hmm. He just, he was able to get around on it and hit it in the upper deck. Yeah. I mean, like, listen, I can't even hit a wiffle ball that far with a quick <laughs> bat. Like, I, it's insane, like, his power. And part of it's, like, his, we worked on his, I read many articles on him because that's what you do um, as a Philadelphia sports fan. When you get obsessed with something, you really get obsessed with it and I know yeah. I'm, I'm not the only one um probably get it from my father as well but the fact that he was able to change his swing in college or I mean not in college after college in the minor leagues he was there for trying to think four or five years something like that he was able to change his swing change his whole approach 
I mean, he's not the best fielder, but at this point, anything's an upgrade from Tommy Joseph. Yeah. I mean, he's just puts his head down and works, and he just he's crushing the ball. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, to be that young and have that much success early on, um, you know, coupled with the fact that you know Williams hasn't done anything yet that makes you think, oh, this guy sucks. Um, you know, and Crawford obviously the sample size is going to be small, but you know, it, it, it's almost promising for you guys to see that. You know, granted, you're going to be worse than the Braves, cough cough. Um, but you know, it, it's looking up, and and there's going to be you know, Hoskins looks like the real deal. Williams looks like he's going to be good. You know, you'll get a full season of Crawford next year, so. How many? What, what? What's the games on that? Um, Braves Phillies. Yeah, I think they are up seven on you. I think I noticed it today. They have seven. a ticket going on SNY. We could catch seven. You definitely could because you have a three-game series against the Mets at the end of the year. And we just took two from the Dodgers. Yeah, there you go. I mean, we're playing really well lately, and I don't know if it's because of the the infusion of youth, um, but I'm loving every second of it. It's it's awesome. Um, but, yeah, I think we will get – I mean, Hoskins is here to stay. Williams is yeah. here to stay. Um, I think Roman Quinn will get a shot next year. I think he's awesome. He had Tommy John surgery um, this yeah. year. So he was out – he got out early. Um, I think Crawford will be up next year. You'll see Kingry come up probably in, like, June just so they don't have to pay him sooner because if yeah. you bring him, up, bring him up after May or June, he gets another year or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, in yeah. There. Been there. Yeah, and then we got Knapp, Alfaro. Alfaro, I mean, he's not one to get on base a lot. Um, I think his on-base percentage maybe is like .004 above his batting average. <laughs> um, he, basically, he's going to hit, and if he's not hitting, it's he's not on base. Yeah. And then his defense needs to get better, but it is good seeing all these young guys. I mean, Ben Lively, he's pitching really well lately. Even Pavetta's been okay, and I'm one of Pavetta's – I'm not as – biggest supporter um but i mean you just see a lot of the youth movement and it's it's good to see because there was kind of a stagnant period for a little where it was like we're rolling with uh joe schmo in the outfield and yeah that, that, and i think what made that period worse at the beginning of the year was that was that williams and hoskins and crawford were doing well in lehigh valley mm-hmm. You know, and, and you saw this, and you saw the stats, and Joe Giglio tweeting every time Reese Hoskins hit a ball. Um, you know, you knew it was there, but at the same time, they were still playing Michael Saunders out in the outfield. So Yeah, and you could see there's not a, a lot of the guys weren't ready. You don't really know if they're ready or not. Um, like a guy like Dylan Cousins, everyone wanted him up come May, but he ended, yeah. up, he ended up hitting 205 this season. So yeah. I mean, he took a he took a dive big time. So I mean, you really need to get get these guys get more at bats and see what they're actually about because most of those guys didn't. I mean, Hoskins and Cousins just it was their first season in AAA, and Williams and Crawford came up late last year, um, and they didn't really have much success. So you had to see what they were um, made of. But the, and also one of the things that makes it even better um, this rebuild is seeing that all of our young players coming up doing great, and especially Hoskins getting on the news every day and being on Barstool, um, being on Preston and Steve, which is a morning show in Philadelphia. Yeah, um, I think he was on uh, Carlin and Reese this morning, yeah. this afternoon. I mean, seeing all that stuff is great. And the fact that 
he's doing it and not Dominic Smith makes it even better for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, while you brought them up, I mean, it's a mess. It's a mess. Um, but I can say, you know, I wasn't sure the last couple off seasons. Trade Matt Harvey. I'm on board with you now. Well, the, uh, the thing is, I was on board when he was going to get you King's Ransom. Yeah, yeah. And you were on board after the World Series. You said trade him. He's not going to get any better. I said trade him right away. I was like, this, it only goes down from, you can't blow, you can't show your muscle and then blow it and then rebound from that. Yeah. You just, I, I never, I didn't think he ever could. And I was like, you know what? Not worth it. So. Yeah, no. And you were you fought me on it like you couldn't have the Braves thing, but I have the Matt Harvey thing. So we you may break the Matt even. Harvey thing. We may break even, but the fact that like you just it, I I don't know why they didn't do it because they still have a ton of pitching. I mean, look at all the pitching they have. The fact that they haven't had them for like a year and a half. Yeah. And at yeah. this point, I think they almost have to keep them because. Yeah, I mean that that's the problem is he's got zero value right exactly. now. Exactly. So I mean. Like what the like? What are you gonna get for him at this point? Yeah, exactly. But you know, granted, I'd I'd love to see him back, but he's too much. You know, you want to pay attention to him, and you want to pay attention to his starts because you want to see if he can bounce back. But that makes it ten times worse when he lays an egg, as opposed to if it's you know Seth Lugo. Or Rafael Montero, who's the reason I'm on board with Harvey going now, because he's pitched, aside from t- you know, the last two starts, he's pitched very well since coming back up. Um, almost like it's finally clicking with him. That, like, this is the last shot or else he's out of baseball. Um, you know, so I'd rather see someone like Rafael Montero. Like, you know, if, if he goes out and throws a gem, it's, it's great. Because your five guy just threw you, you know, six or seven solid innings. Um, but, you know, Harvey, they pay attention to his starts. It becomes Harvey Day. And then he goes out, you know, and gives up six runs in four innings, and they pull him. Um, you know, and, and it amplifies it because everybody's watching him because of what he used to be. So, you know, at this point, I think for both sides, I think that for the Mets – to get rid of him, clear the spot out, um, you know, and for him, I think going to a team like a, you know, you know, granted again, you're not going to get as much as you would have two years ago when they were coming off the World Series, but you know, trading him to a team that where the eyes aren't going to be on him, you know, maybe Milwaukee or um, the White Sox or something. Something where it doesn't become Harvey Day every time he pitches, you know. So that way, the the the, their, the new fan base kind of gets. Listen, this guy's not as good as he used to be. Let's see what we have. We got him for nothing, um, you know. Because I agree with you, he's got no value. Um, but at this point, Ralph Montero has showed you enough that he at least deserves to compete for a for a starting rotation spot next year. Um, you know, and you have Syndergaard, you have DeGrom, you have, you know, Mats, even though he'll get hurt in April. Um, you know, you have Lugo, you have Guzelman, and, uh, you know, I didn't count Ralph Montero into the conversation last year. So kind of, you know, subbing in and out 
Matt Harvey's got to go at this point. Yeah, I mean, I would just stick with him at this point. I mean... Again, we're on opposite sides of the table. Yeah, but, like, you're not... Like, if you let him walk... Yeah. It's... And what happens if he finds it again and you just let him walk? I mean, he's going to be cheap in arbitration this year because he's having a terrible year. Yes. And then he's a free agent after next year. Yes. So you put him in the you you put him in the rotation because one Wheeler can't stay healthy and neither can Mats. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, hope Syndergaard can stay healthy for your sake because what is this his second injury that he's had that's put him on the sixty day DL. So. Um, no, just his first. Just oh, first just first. I thought he had one earlier in his career. Maybe he was still with the I don't know. Maybe maybe he was still with the Blue Jays when it happened. No, uh, Degrom's the one that has two. Oh, okay, gotcha. But anyway, um, we'll just forget that I didn't know anything there. Um, you can edit like, that out. That's fine. I mean, you have injuries, and the fact that yeah, okay. So what if you have six guys in the rotation? It's not like your bullpen's any better. Um, yeah. Maybe you have a swing guy. Maybe I mean, is Seth Lugo even worth it to? Take a spot. What about Gazelman? I mean, Gazelman can start in AAA next year because he's still only yeah. 23. Yeah. But you want to hear a fun, fun New York Mets stat? Go for it. All right. So there's been 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 people to start a game for the Mets. Can you pitchers. name pitchers? Yes. Okay. Can you name how many people out of those, what did I just say, 14? I forget. Count it up again. <laughs> it was 13 or 14. So 6, right. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Oh, 12, sorry. 12? 12. Can you name the person with the lowest ERA? A certain amount of starts, or nope, it's just anyone that's made a start. Okay, um, I'll go bold. Tommy Malone. No, it is Jacob Degrom. Jake. Oh, okay, I, I, I went. I went for the shocker. Yeah. And I missed. <laughs> Can you guess how many people have an ERA under five that has started a game for you? Jacob Degrom. Yeah, literally one. <laughs> one person. One? One. Tommy Malone's sporting an 878. Ooh, okay, that's not good. Oh, I'm sorry. Sinner- I thought maybe like he had like the one, like he made one spot start that might have been like decent. Nope, five stars. It's the Mets this year, so nothing's decent. Yeah. It's actually two. I have cinder guards there. My bad. But still. Okay. He only played a, a month and a half, though, so. That's, that's, uh, it's pretty terrible. Even the Phillies ha- are better than that. Like, whew. come on, man. The Mets, they it's always been pitching with the Mets, and now it's nothing. Yeah, now it's nothing. Now they're so. playing triple A's out there. I mean, it's whatever. Like, they'll knock on wood, get healthy next year, but. Well, I mean, I think you just don't even worry about getting. I mean, you want your starters healthy, but for the most yeah. part, like, bring in the youth movement. I mean, I'm. I would. Th- I would say get rid of Darnell. You got Smith yeah. at first. Plowecki's played well since coming up again, so I'd, I'd get rid of Darnell. Yeah, I mean, I would just get rid of Darnell just because. I mean, he's not really doing anything. Yeah. On your bench, and then um, you have Smith at first. You'll have uh, what is it, Gavin? 
Devin, Devin Shikini. Okay, good. I was relying I, I, on you. I had to think there for a second good. because when he comes up, I say Gavin Zucchini. All right, well, we'll just call him <laughs> Zucchini. Um, but he'll, he'll play second. And then you have... Rosario play short. Rosario short. Then at third base, you play Wilmer just because why not? Throw, throw your hands up in the air and hope yeah. you don't tear a shoulder, break your neck or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have in the outfield, what are you going to go? Cespedes. Cespedes, Conforto. And then uh, probably Nimmo, right? Either Nimmo. I, I mean, I want it to be Nimmo, but I could see them doing some stupid shit and keeping Nori Aoki for some reason. I mean, I love Norik as much as the next guy. He's, he is probably the best hitter on your team, hitting three oh eight. He's but, probably yeah, right now he's probably. <laughs> I mean, I would even just unless I don't think you can get anything for Lagaris. I mean, I would just keep him no, as a four. He's got a bad contract. Yeah, I would keep I would keep him as the four. You'd have four outfielders and you just rotate them. Yeah. So I mean, he's he's whatever. I mean, he's a good fielder, but I don't think. Yeah, that that that's the thing, and I and I've. You know, talk about some people. If they can supplement the offense at, at third base, and you know, you get Cespedes back, you get Conforto back. Um, you know, you have some options there. If you can supplant the offense, then you can bat Lagares eight and hope he gets on base for the pitcher to one over. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, I would even say you don't even need. You don't even need offense at third base because you're going to be hitting with, going with Wilmer Flores, who's actually having a pretty good year. But, I mean, just the fact of hopefully you get a whole year of Conforto and then you'll be yeah. fine. I mean, the dude yeah. the dude rakes. What's up? The dude rakes, Michael Conforto. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The one bright spot on the season, and then he tears his shoulder out of the socket, swinging the bat. I the mean, most Mets thing ever. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think the youth movement needs to happen um, for the Mets sooner than they're letting it. I mean, towards oh, yeah. the end and, of this and year it's almost has, like but. this team is, is is more fun to watch, you know, when it was the team that was supposed to compete, and it was Walker and it was Duda and Bruce and you know, I mean, Granted Cabrera is still there, Cespedes, I mean, Conforto Rakes, like you said. They played station to station, um, you know, and it was kind of like, okay, we're going to get a couple singles and hope that, you know, Cespedes or Bruce or Duda can go yard and bring them all in. Um, this team's almost more fun to watch. You have Rosario, who's got wheels. Uh, Shikini, who can move. Plewecki, who's got pretty good wheels for a catcher. Not that he's stealing any bases. He's also a good defensive catcher, too, which is something that Darno doesn't have any grasp of. Um you know, the younger teams are most more fun to watch. I'd like I said, I'd love to see like, you know, a Mike Moustakis come in if he decides to leave the Royals and kind of give us some offense at third because Wilmer really only hits lefties. Um, I, I so I'd love to see some offense come in at third, kind of bat behind Cespedes, protect him in the lineup. Um, but it is this team's more fun to watch than the team that was expected to do stuff and didn't yeah no i mean that's just seeing these young players i mean they want to play and they're out there to do what they got to do just to make it so yeah. i mean i'm i i mean i love the youth movement in philadelphia i think it's great like the team is amazing to watch i mean you get you get past a couple bad starts here and there that's the one thing that i can't really stand 
But I mean, you see, like, like I'm so excited that Hobie Milner was returned by the Indians on for the Rule Five pick. Like, I mean, the dude has like a one, or sorry, a two three three ERA. He actually gave up two runs tonight. But I mean, like, there's just like so many guys that you just see, like. The Hobie Milner's throwing sidearm. I've never been so excited about a reliever since maybe Kevin Quackenbush. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the youth movement is... I mean, it's it's fun when it's you, the young players are playing well. I mean, next year I'm sure we'll be in a spot where the team... or The Mets and the Phillies probably have lost like 19 out of 20. And the team batting average is like 201. And the team ERA is like 75. I'm sure there'll be that, but there's like, especially spurts like this where it's real exciting. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think the thing with the Mets, and, and you mentioned it with the Phillies, but if the Mets can get the staff healthy, that kind of eliminates the one thing that you mentioned there. You know, you get the Phillies get that bad start from Ikeoff or Pavetta, and it just, you know, you're down 7 nothing after the second. You know, you could try to dig yourself out, but it's going to take a lot. If they get Syndergaard back, if, you know, DeGrom will be there. Um, but if Syndergaard returns to form and if Rafa Montero pitches the way he has and not even going to say if Matt's going to stay healthy because he can't, um, but all the other arms they have, they can get some decent starts. Um, you know, not that they, you know, not. I'm not saying the team that they'd go in with right now can contend. But if they get some pieces, like I said, if they can get a Moustakis, and if they can get, if they, you know, or a Kane or something, you know, just to add a little something to the offense, um, you know, you get a big piece back if he could stay healthy next year in Cespedes. That's not going anywhere. Um, and Conforto. So they have offense, they have pitching, kind of, you know, letting the younger guys kind of come into their own and not rush it like they did. For the last season, you know, they could have signed Murphy, but instead they paid Walker, or they traded for Walker. You know, they could have, you know, rolled with Wilmer at shortstop. Instead, they forced themselves into Cabrera because they wanted to try to get back to the World Series. Um, you know, now kind of letting that slow burn happen, um, you know, and, and let the young guys kind of come into their own as, you know, Above average players, you know, maybe you get a superstar in a Rosario, um, but you know, I don't want to see them say, "Oh well, Rosario didn't hit well enough for a team that wants to compete." So let's go sign, uh, you know, non-tendered shortstop from the Diamondbacks just because we think he might be an upgrade for a contending team. No, let you know, like I said, go get a third baseman. That's you know, third baseman. And some bullpen help. It's the only thing I want this offseason. Yeah, I mean, I personally want pitching for the uh, Phillies, but I'm one of those guys that when the rebuild's on, like, I'm all in, um, which is why I'm one of Hinky's biggest supporters, and that's why he died <laughs> for our sins. Um, so I'm, I'm in. Like, I'm not going to, if they don't want to rush it, um, I don't need them to rush it. I mean, if they want to trade Herrera, Hernandez, and Galvis for some pitching, yeah. I'm, I'm cool with that. If they don't and they want to bring on the young guys slowly, whatever, it's fine. I just like watching these young guys play. Um, hopefully, I mean, they're all low 20s, so they're not going to waste their career by waiting a couple years. Yeah, no, no. So. See, that's the thing is that the Mets have some not older guys, but, you know, Cespedes is in his prime. Um, you know, 
granted you have some you have a lot of younger guys now, but Conforto made major strides. You don't want to waste that now when you can, you know, like I said, go you know, add a little something to the lineup mm-hmm. and kind of let the rest come into its own. Yeah, I mean, um, you, I mean, the Mets at this point they they kind of blew it up on the offensive side. Um, yeah. When they come to but trade at deadline. the same time, it was a lot of expiring contracts. Well, yeah, they of course. Wouldn't have gotten anything for anyway. But uh, the Mets may want to talk to the Giants about blowing it up because they are not looking well. Not at all. Looking, I'm worried about this week. Oh, o two, o and two. I mean, who are they facing this upcoming week? Are they facing the Eagles? Yeah, you guys. Yeah. So it's going to be good. Maybe we'll put maybe we'll put a wager on it. <laughs> um, maybe like a lids hat or something. But <laughs> um, we should work on getting lids as our sponsor. But you know, as I get higher up, I'll work on. That. Yeah, cool. Very nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're just not looking good. The offense looks terrible. The defense looks terrible. I mean, I mean, I shouldn't say the defense looks terrible. They look all right. Um, but I mean, they're also on the field a ton. No running back. Like, what? What are the Giants doing? I got nothing. I, I honestly have nothing. Um, you know, I don't get how the offensive line has been a problem since Chris Snee and Sean O'Hara became kind of too old to do it anymore. Um, you know, ironically. Monday night, they honored the 07 championship team, so they were there, so they probably could have suited up if we needed them. Um, but honestly, it has. It's been a problem since, you know, those guys and David Deal and, you know. Richburg, and, was he a part of that stuff? Who? Weston Richburg, was he a part of that group? No, he's young. He's oh, young. Is he? Um, Rich Soybert was. Oh. There it is. Um, I got my riches confused. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is, and, and they were talking about it kind of Monday night. When the Giants won in 07, you know, it was very similar. Now they have Pew, Richburg, and uh, uh, John Jerry playing wow. right guard, gotcha. I think. And, and the interior of the line is good. It's the tackles that are a problem. The problem is, Pew, Richburg, and Jerry aren't really good. They're good. If you put two good tackles with them, they'd have a good offensive line. Deal, Deal, uh, O'Hara, Snake, they were able to dominate the middle. And they were able to make up for the fact that the Giants couldn't get left and right tackles for some reason. Um but when it's been a problem since them, you know, clearly that's a problem with, you know, management. And granted, they went all in on the defense, so I don't know how much money there is to be throwing around for offensive linemen. Um, but, I mean, Bobby Hart and Eric Flowers are atrocious. Um, and you have an older quarterback. And, you're, I mean, granted, you have better backups than you've had in the past with Smith and then Webb. Um, but you don't want to have to use them. Um, you know, not, not when the team has this much potential and, and you need to be able to give Eli the time for Odell to do what he does and kind of do a double move to get around his corner. 
and there's just not the time for it. You know, there was a lot of times in the Detroit game, you know, granted, Ziggy Ansa, great talent on the edge. Um, but, you know, there, it's not like there's let up in your schedule. you got to face Brandon Graham. you got to face Ryan Kerrigan. You know, Alice ate you alive. So, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, you can't stop him. Um, you know, and you got to go against Denver. Look what they did to Dallas. you got to go against Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram in Los Angeles. The Rams with Robert Quinn and Aaron Donald. Rams, Robert Quinn and Aaron Donald. You have, you know, you're, there's no let up. Um, you know, and you need, granted, they run certain plays where, you know, it's a five-yard slant route. Eli gets it to Odell, and Odell takes off. And it's like the Red Sea parts. But at the same time, a lot of the big plays are Odell's double moves and being able, you know, to approach the cornerback, hit him with a move, and then all of a sudden the corner's going one way, Odell's going the other. And Eli hits him. There's no time for Odell to make that move because before Odell can make it, Eli's on his back. Yeah, well, so, and plus there's no running game. I mean... That's the one thing, like, you don't, like, the double move and the five-yard pass where he breaks it, it ain't going to happen no more because they can put, they could put, like, six guys in the box. Yeah. They could actually go less. Oh, but that's the thing, is that, you know, and I was talking about this earlier today with, with Birch, the only person, not that Will Beatty is good by any means. Will Beatty's the King Dunlap of New York. Yeah. No, he's he's off. well. No, that's Eric Flowers now. <laughs> Will, be, Will Beatty's off the hook. Um, when there's a GoFundMe to pay your salary for the Giants to cut you, you know you're the King Dunlap of New York. <laughs> um, but Will Beatty was never good with us, and and people were pissed that they re-signed him, but they just needed depth on the offensive line. You know, they signed DJ Fluker, right? Or yep. Just look at the one you guys have. Nope. We, have, we got so Chance yeah, we, Warmack. Yeah, we got Fluker. Now it's being confused um, with Pork Chop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you could put him in. But what has he ever done? Um, you know, the little bit that Will, Will Beatty gave them was enough to get, you know, not so much Rashad Jennings because he was washed up. But it was enough to get Paul Perkins going to the point where they – legitimately felt we don't need to go sign Adrian Peterson even though he wants to play for us. We got this Perkins guy that was okay last year. He needs to, you know, they need to block better for him to be able to get it going. He showed last year in spurts he's capable of it. So they need to, he needs to get going. The offensive line needs to get going, you know, and it'll open everything else up because like you said, right now they could just drop everybody into coverage because, you know, you could rush you know, three, and get to Eli. Yeah, I mean, when I'm looking at the Eagles at this point, I don't even want them, I want them to send four every time. Yeah. I don't want them to send more than that because I'm confident that that we can get there. Oh, man, my phone just went, went all crazy. Um, but I'm trying to, ads are going off, and I'm trying to look it up stuff. Amazing bonuses. Yeah, dude, I mean, seriously, I, I actually want to check out what these amazing bonuses are. <laughs> But, um, I mean, you got to look at it to the point where you can send four every time and it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I, that's what the Eagles should do. 
They should bring in another defensive back. I mean, I know we're short one because of Ronald Darby. But, I mean, they should just maybe maybe another safety, Jalen Watkins. He can play a little bit of both. Yeah. They just double-team these guys. I mean, Brandon Marshall can't catch the ball. But when he does, you know, we might as well have two guys there. Stone yeah. Shepard, why can't we put two guys on the slot? You know what I mean? So, I'm not – actually, this is the least scared I've been of the Giants ever. Yeah, no, this is – this is bad. I mean, it almost reminds me of um, three years ago, four years ago now. Like, the team was decent. There was some some expectations on them, and they laid an egg. Yeah, and um, then who did you, you know, and, and I was saying this leading up to the season, you know, with, with the guys I work with. And I was like, this is the year that Eli just fucks everything up. Um, because they went out and they got Marshall. They went out and they drafted Engram, you know. They added, you know, the defenses in their second year with Spagnolo. This is the year that Eli just screws it all up. And granted, it's not totally him. The offensive line is bad. And I think once Odell fully gets healthy, you'll see a little bit of a difference. But like I said, a lot of what his game is, you know, yeah, like I said, he can take the five-yard slant route all the way on any given time they get it to him um but when you don't have enough time for you know marshall to run a post route or ingram to get open you, you know you're going to the one guy because he's five yards away and can you know you have time to actually get it to him so you know you saw it in the in the, in the detroit game they double covered him because answer was taking care of manning you know, Anson was taking care of, you know, making sure he couldn't get it to Ingram or couldn't get it to Marshall or couldn't get it to Shepard. The only one he could get it to was Odell, so they double-covered. Yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, I don't even want to put the blame on Eli because a lot of a lot of people think, and especially it's crazy that GMs think like this as well, but they're like, oh, how do we help out our quarterback? We should put, we should draft a tight end in the first round and we're going to, Give him Brandon Marshall, but we're not gonna we're not gonna get offensive line help or a running game for him. Yeah, like really, that's I believe a running game and a really good offensive line helps out a quarterback more so than anything in the entire. I mean, freaking Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl based off of a good defense, a respectable running game, and a line that kept him upright. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not rocket science at this point. It can't be. But, I mean, you're going to pay Brandon Marshall when your receivers were great last year without him. You're going to pay, you're going to draft a tight end that, I mean, he's he's a very good player and will be a good player, but, I mean, Eli's one of those quarterbacks where he can make it work with any tight end. Yeah. You need an offensive line. But I think the Eagles will crush him. So, that's how I, that's how I feel. I hope they crush him. I hope it's like a 40-point win. That'd make me happy. I, I, I could absolutely see it being one of those ugly ones where just Graham and Barnett. Well, now it's Barnett. I was going to say Barwin. Um, <laughs> yeah. Luckily, but, the, luckily, the first three letters are right there for you. So you, yeah, you could yeah. you catch yourself. <laughs> uh, you know, but yeah, Graham, Barnett, Long. They're going to be coming after him all night. I, it's going to be one of the, like I said, it's going to be one of those ugly ones. Don't forget about too. Timmy Jernigan and Fletcher. Yeah. Right in the middle, because I mean, yeah, your interior offensive line's decent, and I mean, probably a little above average, but you got two of the best tackles in the league right yeah. there. Yeah. No, the, the the big 
thing for the Giants to give them any sort of chance would be, you know, to have that secondary fully healthy. And, you know, Wentz is good. um, But at this point, the best case scenario for the Giants would be to hope that, you know, Wentz, you know, something's up between the years on Sunday. That's probably the only shot they got unless, you know, blind, you know, they decide to sign blindside for some reason. And he (laughs) becomes great. You know, yeah. there, there's no way that they're going to improve this offensive line this year, so they're going to have to find ways to do without. And I mean, they've done it in the past, but you know, when when your like I said, when your offense is so predicated on the passing game, you know, it, it's going to be rough. Yeah, I mean the the thing I look at from the Eagles side um, is that the only thing that we really are lacking is secondary. And I even I even question that because the offense hasn't shown me anything. Like the Giants offense hasn't shown me anything that they can beat the secondary because they can't block. And I think the offense I think the defensive line for the Eagles is gonna I think they might set the, the sack record, like the com, like the amount of sacks in a game record. I can I can see that. It's really possible. And I think they wanna do it. I think they're they're hungry and they're talking they're probably talking about that this week. Um, I, I agree that your secondary is very good. I believe you got you have some pass rush. Um, I think Isaac Salomalo is going to be a weak link for the Eagles again. I can't believe he's still playing right now when you got Steven Wisniewski sitting on your bench. But, I mean, I think he'll get pushed back. And, but I think overall, I think the Eagles' offensive line will hold up. I think the receivers will get open. You see Wentz isn't afraid to extend the play. We'll probably run a two-tight end set. Um and that's what we'll do. I mean, we'll just eat up your linebackers. A lot of screen passes. Um, well, I think they're going to run the ball a lot because Doug Peterson just got called out for not running the ball. So I can see a lot of runs and a lot of guys going after the linebackers. And then, then it will force you guys to either do probably you guys will probably go to a zone at that point or empty out the box. So I just I think there's I think the Eagles have too many. Like I don't know. I want to sound cocky or anything, but. And I usually don't feel this way about the Eagles. Haven't felt it about this way in a long time. But the Eagles have too many weapons um, on both sides of the ball for the Giants to handle. Yeah, yeah, it, it's this is this is the first time in a while, and you, you know, you know me, friends for four years. This is the first time in a while that I'm not confident about the Giants facing the Eagles. Like I can't. Normally, I can muster up like a little bit of like you know, kind of birch ignorance and just like, oh yeah, Giants are winning this one. I, It's been so bad that, you know, go ahead. They can prove me wrong, but I don't see them beating the Eagles on Sunday. Then this is the first time we've known each other for four years that I've actually felt confident about the Eagles. I actually yeah. think they are the division favorites. I mean, even after last week, and I'm not a fan of Doug Peterson, never have, never will be. I was telling someone. You, know, I was you, telling, you made that explicitly clear. <laughs> yeah, I was telling Mike the other day. I said, hey, man, I was like, the only way Doug Peterson can ever get me to like him is if he wins the Super Bowl. That's it. Yeah. I've decided it's the only way that it'll ever work out. Um, it's just one of those things where I'm not ever going to like his style. Um, it may work. It may not. But it's just. Like, he's, he's the poor man's Andy. And I was watching the Chiefs game um, against the Patriots, and I remember the fr- week one, I remember, like, the first drive, they did a shovel pass to Kelsey. And I just, was, I, all, all I could say was, I miss Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. And that's just be, part of that's because I don't know anything better. Yeah. So, yeah. 
But no, I still think the Eagles are the favorites in the division. The Cowboys don't look great. I mean, the defense isn't good. The offense looks terrible. Looks like they're figuring out, like teams are figuring out how to play them. Shut down the run and make Dak beat you. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I like the Eagles. I'm going to say it's probably going to be Eagles, Cowboys, Redskins, Giants in the division. I can see it. I can see it. I can definitely see it. Yeah. And then I have a real fear that the top tackle in the draft will probably be Mike McGlinchey out of Notre Dame, and he's a local kid. He went to Penn Charter. Or, sorry, North Penn. Um, Penn Charter was Matt Ryan. He went to North Penn. Real good kid. Um, My dad is always on the beach with him and his family, so my dad loves the fact that he can tell that story um, all the time. (laughs) But I have a real fear he's going to go to the Giants because the Giants are going to be bad and they're going to need a tackle. Yeah. Well, I don't want to upset Papa Hoff. Maybe we could find the second-best tackle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There'll probably be a guy from Alabama you can take that'll be a bust. <laughs> but, yeah. Just don't want to upset Papa Hoff, man. Yeah, I mean, seriously, <laughs> that would that would be rough. I mean, a lot of the Notre Dame guys seem to go to the Cowboys, and there's a good, a good amount on the uh, the Giants anyway. You got uh, – who do you got? Do you have uh, Prince Shembo? No, you have uh, uh, Aquaro. You have Aquaro, Romeo Aquaro. Aquaro. Yeah, and last year we had, um, he'd like, would come, we'd sign him for like spot games when we were low at the tackle, uh, Lewis Nix. Oh, yeah, Lewis Nix. He's he's great. Former Texan. But, yeah. Yes, former Texan. The Texans, Vikings, and like the Cowboys have the most Notre Dame guys. Yeah. I mean, I can't get one on the Eagles, but. <laughs> Do you really not have one Notre Dame guy? I don't think so. I try and, I'm trying to think before I said that, but I don't think we have one Notre Dame guy. I mean, you guys used to have Justin Tuck. He was a Notre Dame guy. Yeah, he was a Notre Dame guy. Um, yeah, I don't think we have literally no Notre Dame guys. Yeah, no, we have very few also. Yeah. Very few. So, we gotta, we gotta get, I mean, two most Irish places in the world, or three, I would even, I would say Chicago, Philly, and New York. So... You gotta get some. You gotta get some Notre Dame guys in those three towns because it seems like they're all in Dallas, Minnesota, and uh, what was the other place I just said? And Houston. So. Houston. Yeah, not very Irish places, but. Well, Cleveland's got the best one. So. Cleveland, nah, no, no name or what's his face? Texas got the best one. Houston. They got Will Fuller. Will Fuller, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's always gonna have. He's always gonna be the number one Notre Dame guy because I actually got to play with him. He's yeah, a so, but yeah, so I'm liking the, I'm liking the Eagles over the Giants, and we can put a wager on that if you want, and then I'm liking the Phillies to catch the Braves and the wins. Still, I still got some time. Yes, yeah, so I said that one's risky because you guys got the three games at the end of the season with the Mets. So yeah, I mean we don't have many games which left. Which means they might have Washington to end the season. Yeah. We don't have many games left, so I think. Yeah, I think I think they said today during the Mets Morning's game. I think it's like eleven. Yeah. Left or something like that. But I'm still holding out hope. Round two, go Braves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well that'll wrap us up for today um, on the i95 Sports Podcast. Hope you guys all enjoyed. Um, let us know who you want, if you're whose side you're on, if you want us to. Uh, if you want us to know your affiliation for your teams, if it's Eagles, Giants, if you actually just if you're a Cowboys fan, just don't even listen to the podcast. It's not even worth it. Um, but let us know who you actually don't listen to any future episodes, please. Yeah. Don't say it. 
let us know who you're cheering for. Actually, you should make that poll. Um, who do you think is going to win? And let's let's see what our newly found Twitter followers are thinking about it. Giants, Eagles. I don't care. I like Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, then we just find out. I wish you could find out the people that liked it and then just, or like voted in it, that like yeah. I don't care, like Dallas, and just like block them. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure they're great people, just I don't ever want to know them. Yeah, no, me either. <laughs> I work with one and that's enough. Yeah, well, my, my boss was one, so. Yeah, my job, we got Eagles, Giants, and Dallas. So I took the L week one. God, I hope I don't take the week, the week three also. I had it was it was me Philly, so it was Philly Philly, Vikings, Cowboys. Yeah. So. But yeah, we'll we'll see. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll work on a wager and we'll post it on the Twitter page. Um, but yeah. definitely subscribe to the podcast either on YouTube, iTunes, um, listen on SoundCloud. Just do it all. I'm not even sure what what are we on tune we're on tune in. Uh, are we on anything else? I don't know. I'm Google Play. We're on Google Play. We're on Google Play. Yeah. Google Play. Yeah. Just find it. Just search the podcast, and it'll pop up in yeah, Google. Just, and search it. just listen to it there. And if you can subscribe or follow the podcast, whatever, please do that. We really appreciate it. Um, I mean, it's a lot of fun doing this, and we would like to continue to do it. Um, hopefully, you guys also enjoy it and want to keep up, want us to keep doing it. So that'd be that'd be a lot of cool. That'd be, that'd be yeah, a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, that'll wrap us up. Um, trying to be back here. We're trying to get on a weekly basis as um, both of our jobs have uh, gotten in our way. But life after graduation, now we're gonna we're gonna start to get into a rhythm here. Pro- yes. uh, try, try and do every week or so, every six to eight days, um, and we'll 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 get that out to you. But, yes, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Um, enjoy Rocky heading out and then we'll see you in a week.